Hi, this is Pastor Ricky Temple. I'm glad you're with us today. We're going to take you right into the Word of God, stretch your life, show you something that will hopefully help you become a better person. It's going to be amazing. So stay right with us and watch your life change as we study God's Word together. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is a great verse with a great message. It shows you how Paul managed tough times. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. How do you manage tough times? Now, here's what I wish were true. Um, I I, I might... I'll say what I was going to say and may fix it. Let me see. I was going to say I wish that all life was easy and wonderful, but it's not designed to be that way. There are challenges from the beginning of time. God put Adam and Eve in the garden and he gave them the choice, the decision they could make to turn everything around and not serve God. And they did. That's what eating the fruit meant. I'm not listening to you, God. I'm now listening to myself, to the serpent. That was a tough moment, tough decision. They made the wrong decision. There are times in life when you can have everything in your hands. Best job you prayed for, the woman you prayed for, the man you prayed for, and you're not happy. Tough things come up, tough issues, tough conversations. You can marry the right person. I mean, the exact person that God wanted you to marry, and you can have some tough conversations. Differences of opinion, differences of viewpoint, all because you're not the same person. How do you manage those tough moments? When you're in a relationship clash with somebody that's unhealthy, how do you fix it? How do you turn around these things in your life that are tough? Getting news is difficult. Paul's statement was profound because here's, here's what he said when he said the word abased in chapter, uh, here in chapter, first, first, in chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 4, I can get it out on a good day, verse 11 and 12, when he said, not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. I've learned, I'm sorry, I've learned how to be abased. That word abased means to be degraded, embarrassed, devalued, made low. Do you know how to deal with that? Man, it's tough, isn't it? It's tough to be devalued, that you're around people who do not value you. And you'll fight them to value you as if you have the power to do that. Watch this. You ready? This is, this, this is my, one of my favorite examples. What ice cream do you value the most? Who said strawberry? Any other flavors? Who said chocolate? Cho- I hate it. <laughs> I absolutely devalue all chocolate ice cream. I like chocolate milk, but for some reason I don't like chocolate ice cream. See, but he's not going to stop eating chocolate ice cream because I don't value it. I-, I want you to understand, that's how you have to see things. Paul said, I've learned how to manage when people devalue things. 
Embarrassment. Embarrassment is part of the journey. It's just not possible to live a life without some embarrassment. There's a moment in life when things are just out of whack. I, I was, I was um, uh, tell this, this is one of the funniest stories. I was, I was at a conference greeting all these people. I went down to greet all the people who saw me speak. It was hundreds of people. And I walked out and I went and I was in the lobby and my wife came up to me and said, did you comb your hair? You know, in those moments, you just stand still. And just, 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 I think you forgot. And my wife doesn't say that. I mean, she's not that kind of person. So it was really bad for her to notice it. I mean, if, if Diane notices it, it's really bad. And so you just kind of say, I'll see y'all in a minute. I'll be back. And, and then you just deal with the embarrassment. You know, it's part of it. Kids embarrass you. That's part of being a parent. Comes with this called a parent tax. There are moments in life when your spouse, you, you embarrass yourself. It's all part of it. And, and Paul said, I've learned how to be low. And I've learned how to abound. I've learned to have. What's interesting is if you've never been up and have like the best job, best salary, the best position, and people ask you what you do, you don't want to tell them. You know, you're embarrassed to sit in first class. You know, it's okay. Get, People get over it. But, you know, you're just, you know, people are, oh, you know. And so you just feel like, well, you know, should I lie? Some of you have nice cars you won't drive to, to work or you won't drive around because you don't want anybody to know you got a car like that. And so it's hard to have. Some of you say, I wish I had that problem. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> but here's what, here's what, if you think, think about this for a minute. How many celebrities do you know that make a whole lot of money on drugs? Why would you make $100 million a year and you're still smoking crack? Help me, God. Because abounding is not what you think. Some of you are abounding. You have, you have more than you've ever asked for and you still aren't okay. There are challenges at every level. There are tough things at every level of life. I worked in Beverly Hills at a brokerage firm um, when I was in college and I was around people who made millions of dollars every day. They were wealthy, wealthy people. And one of the things that I learned as a gopher, carrying, going to the bank and depositing their checks and getting their weekends $20,000 worth of weekend cash and watching them buy cars. I mean, they had millions of dollars. These were multi, multi-millionaire people. And uh, I was, I, I, in, that, in that experience, I saw how unhappy they were. They had trouble with their abundance. You see, let me, let me share the difference between being a fool who is low and a fool who is abounding. You are a first-degree fool when you are low. You are a tenth-degree one when you are wealthy. You can just be fooler. You can do more damage. You can go further. You can insult more people. You can hurt more people because now you have a staff to hurt. And if you have an international staff, you have an international staff you can insult. You spread your pain further. That's all. It's, you're, you're, you're not, it goes farther and farther. It goes, far, it goes way beyond you because you you can't hide who you are. It leaks out. It oozes out. That's why you can dress it up, girl. You can dress it up. You can 
You can pretend. But you still see what happened to you in your head. You still hear what they called you. Sir, you can't get past some things. It is there and it oozes. People don't know what it is. They can't always identify it. But it's oozing out from your shoes. And so when you're going through all that tough stuff, what do you do? Paul said, I've learned how to manage this. And here's what he said at the end of the verse. Repeat it with me, please. I can do all things. Come on, say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, Christians often take this verse out of context because they think that means I can do anything. Let me tell you what some of you cannot do. You ready? Matter of fact, I can say, let me scan the room. Probably, I'd say most of you. There may be one or two exceptions, but I would think I'm, I'm right. You cannot go apply for the Lakers and get picked up. <laughs> Let me see. There may be one of you that may be, but most of you would not qualify. Even with Christ, you can't get picked up. Okay? There are just some things you can't do. You can't be in the Olympics. That even, believe it or not, includes me. So there's some things that just are true. This is not a Superman verse. It doesn't mean you can do it. It means that he says, I've learned how to be low. I've learned how to be abound. And he says, I now can do all these things that we're talking about here. All my challenging, all my tough days, I can manage with Christ. And that's an important thing to understand because whatever you're facing, he says, I can, I can, you can handle it. I can handle this. I believe it, it can happen, whatever it is. I've learned, say, whatever state. Look at the verse again, verse 11. He says, uh, he says I, I've learned in whatever state. Come on, say, in whatever state. I almost call this sermon whatever. When things happen to you, sometimes you just go, whatever. Every now and then, you just need to just not think there's a thing that can stop you. I love the fact that you just get to that moment. I think sometimes we care too much. As a matter of fact, that came to me one day. I was worrying about something and thinking about something. It was like, yeah, get over it, Temple. You're going to have to get over, you're going to have to come to a place in your life where you understand whatever it is, whatever it is that's bothering me, that's hurting me, that's causing me frustration, whatever it is, I do not have the power. I do not have the ability. So join me and please say, wouldn't please say, whatever. That's all you can say. If the person doesn't want to be married to you, what can you do? If the person doesn't want to stay in employment with you, what can you do? You have to, you have to, you, I'm not saying you become passive and non-caring. I'm just simply saying you can't learn. You can't allow yourself to stay there. And Paul made statements. Three things he said he learned in these tough times. You read number one. And these are things that I think I've learned watching my life over the last several years. Number one, I've learned this. I've learned that it's easy to make assumptions and lose faith. It's easy for me, if I'm not careful, to get so wrapped up in what's happening in my life that I stop believing. Secondly, it's easy for me to expect someone to save me. That somebody's going to come along and they're going to save me from all of this, whatever I'm going through. There's, a, there's somebody coming, you know, and, and here's what I've learned. This is really hard, but it's true. Nobody's coming. Nobody's coming. There's nobody coming. Have you ever called somebody you thought, you'd me call this person and maybe I'll be better, and you call them and it wasn't any better? 
Here's why. Because they're trying to save themselves. They don't have the capacity or the ability to stop their own pain. And so I just, I've, I've learned that. And then lastly, I've learned that it's easy to surrender to, to defeat and just blame everybody. Well, I'm here because of my daddy or my mom or because of, because of my whatever, please. You know, just give me a break. I'm not blaming anybody for my life not having what it should be. I'm going to take my life, put my glasses on, and look at myself and say, Temple, what did you do? Because it's my life. It's my life. It's me. It doesn't help me to spend my life blaming you. You're blaming your ex. You're blaming who? Your ex-boss. You're blaming who? I mean, come on, pause for a second. At some point, you're in a tough time, but you cannot spend your life doing that. Now, the reason I, 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 I give you this next little section I'm going to talk about, I, I wanted to, Tom Rainer is a guy who studies preachers. And in my opinion, this is, I say this with love. I mean, this, I really mean this when I say it, so just buckle up. Preachers who are my, I study them, my, they're my, my academic pursuit these days. They're an interesting bunch of people. Because they have some tough days in their profession, and he lists five of them. Now, I want to see if you can relate to them, okay? Because I think they're interesting. Five things that preachers tend to face. I'm just going to summarize it. First of all, preachers are, in their leadership, they have, they have spiritual warfare. They're, they're, they're in constant combat with something, almost always. And, and he says, basically, all help breaks loose in their life a lot. It does. That's the term he uses. It's just, just like everything just kind of goes chaotic. And, it, and you don't always control it. You don't control it. You just have to kind of hold on. I don't know if you can relate to that or not. Second thing he says, they have uh, surprising realities. The reality is not what it seems. It, you know, it looks one way, and, and, but it's not. For example, people look up here and they say, oh, I want to preach. I want to preach. I feel called. This job is 90% management. It's 10% preaching. It is managing buildings, people, properties. It is, uh, it is it's a whole ton of studying and reading. If you're not a reader, forget it. You're going to get up here and loop and say the same things over and over again. And people will know it. And you'll try to hide it with excitement. And so it's some, and it's very emotional. And, and then, you know, people that don't like your sermons, you just have to kind of work through all that. But that's part of the surprise. It's not what I thought it was. Thirdly, preachers have, a, they have this challenge with inadequacy, this feeling of inadequacy. I don't know if you can relate to that or not. Just when you wake up, you just feel like you're not good enough. And when you're always on display, right, and you're always up in front of people and you're always, you know, talking. And, you, and, and did I do good? Is this a good one or a bad one? You know, and this is a good Okay. And you just live in the up and down. And if you do this, listen now, twice a week. Wednesday and Sunday, which is what most guys do. I no longer do that. I do once a week. You get one a week. rest of it you can watch on tape. One a week. That, my friend, is amazing. So every two or three days, am I good or am I bad? Am I good or am I bad? And then you got to find something really jazzy to wear because, you know, you got to look all part, if, depending on where you are. So imagine, ladies, every well, you got to dress up twice a week. Well, more than that, because if you're a preacher, dude, you're supposed to dress up every day. And your preacher comes to your house, you know, sometimes I got on Levi's and I got on that. So, you know what, Jesus, it depends on who I'm visiting. You know, if this is a member who just don't care, you know, I'll just put on some tennis shoes and say, I'm coming. But if it's, you know, anyway, sometimes, you know, because people get nervous. They, They really get nervous. 
And I understand that. I, I get it. And I, I, but there's a, there's, a, there's a certain emotional sense of inadequacy that you can feel. And some of you carry that in your life. You're always feeling like you're not good enough. Who says you got to be fine and foxy all the time? Hey, ladies, you should have an ugly day. Just let it go. Just don't comb your hair. Just bam, there I am. Bam, this is me. And this is me. Some of you say, no, my marriage won't work if I do that. <laughs> but I mean, if you live with somebody, you, you see who they are when they're not, you know, protected. There's something healthy about facing the fact that you don't have to always be this great person. But what you carry in, in pastors and preachers is system and inadequacy. And then number four, you deal with a lot of critics and bullies. You know, people bully you. I don't know if you can relate to that or not. They just pick on whatever is not strong in you. And I'm not, I'm not justifying. I'm just simply saying this is what, I, this is what Tom Rainer says preachers go through. It's a stream of criticism. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You should do this. You didn't. Some, of you, some people, they evangelistic criticizers. They go from church to church. They come in. Let's see how Pastor Rick's doing. Let's see. Let me check out this message here. Okay. Yeah, I think this is, he's doing pretty nice. No, I don't like that part right there. That ain't good right there. Yeah, I don't like that part either. That right there ain't theologically sound. Man. Praise the Lord. Okay, I just messed up the notes. But you get the point. That's, that's, if you're not careful, that's what you, you do that with relationships, friends. Everywhere you go, if you're not careful, you become a spiritual bully person. I had this thought the other night. I was right. No, I, I, I was, you ever deal with these spiritual people? You try to talk to them and you just can't have a conversation. You try to, you know, and, and, and you don't realize that as a religious person, you can become a bully kind of person. The kid comes and asks you a question. Just a question. Um, can you loan me $50? Oh, you want $50 that God gave me? <laughs> Praise God. That Jesus blessed me with. But you ain't serving Jesus, but you want me to give you Jesus money. I said, no, Mom, I just want $50. I don't know about Jesus. And I just want $50. That's all I want, $50. You know what I'm saying? You can't have a conversation. You can't. You, every, everything, well, you, you're going to serve. Well, won't you come to church? Now, see, okay, so I, gotta, I get the $50 if I go to church. Oh, so it's a $50 <laughs> payoff for church. Really? How long is church? Four hours. Well, that's, that's not much money per hour, mama. You want me to come? So, and you try to reason, and you try to say, well, can, can you just, no. the Bible say obey your parents. Now you're quoting the Bible again. See, all of this gets to be amazing. And, and, and you sit there and you say to yourself, man, don't you see that you're using the Bible to bully me? And I see that church people do that to pastors, pastors do it to people, and I'm thinking to myself, it's tough. Some of you live through this kind of stuff all the time. And these are, these are days that just come and go, and, and, and Tom Rainer said, this is what they live through. These are the tough days, and the last one he says is loneliness, no friends. Nobody to call, nobody to talk to. Can you, can, this is what he said about preachers, but I wonder, is it true for you? I wonder, do you feel the same exact way that he described? But I love what Paul said. I have learned in whatever I'm faced with, and this is what I mean, whatever comes, come on, say whatever. whatever. 
whatever comes, however it comes, however they say it, whatever gets difficult, whatever, however, my God is faithful. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to take what's happened to you in your life, and I want you to lift your hands and say, whatever. Come on. Come on, say, whatever. When you get to that point in your life when you have done all you can do, you have given your best advice. I have preached my best sermon. I have said the best I can. All I do is whatever. Hallelujah. I'm not letting myself. I'm not being passive. I'm not, being, I'm not pushing anybody off. But here's what I can't do. I can't be perfect for anybody, even for me. I wish I never made mistakes. But my tough days have come and they will come again. And if I don't define, and I'm sorry, if I don't decide now how I'm going to manage tough days, here's what will be true for me. You ready? God will not be able to give me much. Because if I'm crushed under a $30,000 load and I'm drowning because of a $30,000 number, what will I do with a $30 million number or a million dollar number? If I've lost faith in myself because I had one embarrassing moment, and I can't get over it? Well, how can God prosper me? In the last service, I had this, I had this um, great moment. I was up teaching, and I had my jacket like this, and my tie got over here. And I'm preaching, feeling good about myself, and that's just as crooked as it want to be. And they was trying to signal me on this side, and I couldn't see them. So they had to get up and stand in front. And they said, and, they, and I said, oh, God, okay. So I, I knew, because that's what we're supposed to do, make the preacher look good, okay? You messed up, tell him you jacked up, fix it. So I asked after, I said, how long was like that? He said, oh, it was a good while. <laughs> you know what I said? Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Jesus' name. Come on, amen. Whatever. Praise God. I even told the last service when they told me, I said, hey, my tie was jacked up. I said, whatever. And they laughed like you just did. Let me tell you something. You worry too much. You worrying about not having a man, whatever. You worried about not having money. You worried about it. And let me tell you something. You need to decide, like one of my friends told me, told me the other day. She said, ooh. She said, I'm going to tell you now. I was talking to some older people, and they just pitiful. And she's older self. She said, they pitiful. They just pitiful, pitiful old people. She said, just pitiful. Stand up on your feet. I'm going to pray with you about that because that thing, that thing touched me. She said, yes, they called me. And they just sound pitiful. They just always got a pitiful story, pitiful testimony. This life is pitiful, and they just pitiful. So let's all lift our hands together, please. Let's pray this prayer. Ready? Say, Lord, help me not be pitiful. Come on, amen. Not be pitiful. Can't be pitiful here. People ain't got time to be all in pitiful stories. <laughs> you marry somebody crazy, that's your husband. What are you going to tell us? I'm burden people with all that all the time. He was crazy when you married. Well, I know he wasn't. Whatever she crazy. You know what at some point, at some point, your child is pitiful. It's pitiful. Just help me not be pitiful. Sometimes the only one you can change is yourself. Everybody in the house is sloppy, needing up your space. That's all you can do. Everybody else. Father, we lift our hands today and we declare before you in Jesus' name that you've called us to this moment. 
You've given us a moment where we can praise you and shake ourselves loose. So we leave this service today focused on one thing. Dealing with our tough times, changing the way we view things, embracing the difficulty, and knowing that through Christ, we can do all things. With every hand down for a moment, every head bowed. No, no, open your eyes. I'm going to tell you, sir, real quick. I'm sorry. I had a conversation the other day with somebody that really touched me. I, was, I explained two words to them in this conversation. The word sin, harmartia in the Greek, and, and, and the word metanoia, the idea of, of repentance. And here's what I said to them trying to explain this concept. I said, you know, when the Bible talks about sin, it talks about you missing the mark. For example, you're supposed to be to work. Let's say you work for me. I said, be to work at 10 o'clock. What time did I say? But you come at 12. So I asked you, why did you come at 12? You said, well, I disagree with you. I think I should come at 12. That's a problem. You work for me. I set the time. I set it at 10 because I need you to do something for me by 1030. All the clients come in at 1030, but you still say the clients can wait till 12. You refuse to repent. That's what repentance is. Repentance means to change your thinking, to have a second thought. Here's what I believe about some of us. You come to church, but you disagree with God. You come to work when you feel like it. I want you to understand that's important. There are a lot of people who go to church who are very religious people, but they are not Christians. They're not followers of Christ. Not in their life. There's no way I would think you're a follower of Christ if I looked at your behavior. If I listened to your words, if I listened to how you engage people, I would not think you are a follower of Christ. So here's the question. Are you? I want to pray a prayer in a minute, but I want you to think about what I'm saying. You have not repented. And you cannot repent, but repentance is not saying I'm sorry. It's changing the way you think. This is why some relationships don't make it, because you won't change the way you think, the way you view something. It's all about the perspective. I only can repent if I believe I'm wrong. Does that make sense? If I'm a believer that work doesn't start to 12 and you need me at 10, we got a problem because of these two things. And sin is the word by definition. Simply means doing it wrong, missing the mark, not being where you're supposed to be. So as we pray in closing, every head bowed again. If you know that you've not been a follower of Jesus and you just want me to pray for you, you say, Pastor, you know, what you said made sense. I get it. I have been going to work at 12, telling God I don't agree with him. And my lifestyle says I don't agree with him, but I want to surrender my life in a new way. I get what you're saying, so just pray for me today, please. If I need to pray for you because that kind of fits your bill, you say, yeah, that's me, Pastor Rick, pray for me. Raise your hand. Let me see who I'm praying for. I see you, one. I see two. I see three, four, five, six, seven, ten. I see more plus. I see plus, plus. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody? I see you. I see you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hands down. Look at me one more time before I say this prayer. This is not about perfection. It's about honesty. You can struggle with the behavior. But sometimes if you're honest, this is not a struggle. This is a conviction. God, I do not and will not do what you say because I don't agree with you. When I pray this prayer, you're saying, I agree with you. I may not have strength. I may not have the power to do it all on my own, but I agree with you. 
And so let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the service. We leave today knowing that you've touched us. I pray for every individual today who's heard this message, whether they're home or here, wherever they're watching on demand, wherever it is, I pray in Jesus' name that the hand of God would touch them and that they would say to themselves today, I surrender my life to Jesus. I need to give my life totally over to God. I need, to, I need Jesus in my life. He died on the cross to free me. And so today I surrender my life and I thank you for Jesus who died for me. And I receive him as my Lord for real, for real. Now I can't do this on my own. I need help in teaching. I need guidance. I need you, Lord, in my life. And so today I trust you to come into my life in a fresh way. And I give you all the praise and the honor in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. Now here's the deal. At the end of this, what I pray you've been stressed by today's word. I pray it brought something to your life that will make you better. I want to encourage you to stay with us in studies in the future and allow us to help you grow in your walk with God. We'll see you next time right here with me, Pastor Rick. God bless.